this message is actually for someone who's doubting God, who's struggling with God, who is questioning God, who even doubts the existence of God. Some of us are in this room that were not here when I first started this. The side note is it's shocking that even a pastor can go through doubts and fears and going, oh, like I'm at Pepsi and I also have this stopping moment. I say, what if this whole thing's made up? The, the, the danger is, is to never address that and to never, uh, to just go, you know what, I'm the only one. The beneficial thing is to feel, is to know that you're not alone and that when you wrestle with God, you wrestle with the Bible a little bit, you start doing some research, you're going to find out that God is, in fact, real, that Jesus did, in fact, die for our sins, that because he lives, we live. Amen? Amen? Okay, I'm going to need a little help today. Just, I've only had two cups of coffee today, so it's not enough. Um, but this specific message it's actually the, the title of today's message, and I'm not even going to address it till the very end. I got a little bit at the very end. But am I too bad for God? Am I too sinful for God? Okay? So if you're here and you're a Christ follower and you're a so-called saint, because the Bible calls us saints, even though I don't, like I'm like, whatever. But this is directed towards someone that might not even be here yet. In fact, we record our messages for YouTube. Shameless plug. But um, all the messages are on there. And this is directed to someone that might be watching because they're curious about Jesus. Like they don't buy into the whole Jesus. If you're here and you are just, you love Jesus, you've been a Christian, you were born in the church pew. How many of us are born in the church pew? How many of us literally? Okay. Lydia was probably, she was probably two days old and she was at church. I guarantee you. Or her mom got her from Cottonwood, got her from Cottonwood. She had her in Cottonwood, drove down the hill. It's the same hill that we we. we she delivered Hayden, and going all the way down, and then they went, okay, we're going to church. That's probably what happened. I, didn't, I don't have that story, but if that's your story and you're a professional Christian, you can still benefit from this. How? Because it was something I just said five minutes ago. You, you and I, the Bible says, do not be friends with the world. You don't put on their, all their stuff that they do and go, yeah, I'm just like them. No, you influence the people around you. It's one of the reasons why I still work for Pepsi, okay? I've done some financial stuff, and I'm like, I could technically quit that and be decent financially. We'd, it'd be a little bit, we'd have to budget a little bit tighter and stuff like that and go on pancake fasts again. Um, no, we wouldn't. But uh, it, we need to have non-Christian people who we are influencing, being around, and, and, and loving, and um, praying. Amen? Okay, if you don't have that... Go out, that's your homework assignment. Go to the grocery store and don't be weird about it, but go befriend someone that's not a Christian. Don't be judgmental. Maybe they are a Christian, uh, but just befriend people. Um, so today we're actually talking about the reason why some people doubt God and they doubt Christianity, okay? The good news is this. I'm going to take a deep breath because this is a little bit scary, this sermon, because I don't want to offend Christians but there are people that don't buy into the whole Christian thing. You ever met people like that? I've had conversations with people. We talk about spirituality. We talk about religion. People are scared of religion, but they're able to talk about it. But then you, the moment you mention the name of Jesus, Jesus, they shut down. It's offensive. So most people in history do not deny that Jesus existed. In fact, 
there are outside sources outside the Bible that mention this guy named Jesus around, you know, 2,000 years ago. We always say 2,000 years ago, a little bit more than 2,000 years ago. But there was a guy that existed, and most people do not deny his goodness. Like, his teaching was so great that we could, we could build entire cultures by it. We can build an entire, our families can thrive on the teaching of Jesus. Our community, our town can thrive on the teaching of Jesus. So they love the way he taught. They love the way he loved. They, they love the way, and this is my personal favorite, they love how he impacted the unreachable, like the lepers. When someone has leprosy right in front of you, you do not, you do, not do this. You do not do this when they have leprosy. You, you plug your nose. No, you might not plug your nose, but you stay away from them. Get away from this church building. Get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. And Jesus, instead of that, the religious people go, get away from me. Jesus actually embraced those people. I love that about Jesus because I'm, I never had leprosy. Okay, I still got all my fingers and my toes and my arms and that kind of thing. But I was, in a sense, when I was younger, the people, the person that nobody even cared about. They're one of the reasons why is I'm a twin, and so they didn't want to, like, confuse me with my brother Jason. True story. Like, they, they just avoided me because they were like, like, hey, how you doing, there, uh, Dwayne? Because he's a twin, too. How many twins do we have here? Any twins? Just, just two of us. We're cool. We're going to heaven before they are. Not today, but whatever that means. But so you can actually talk about spirituality. You can talk about God. Nobody bats an eye. But the moment you mention this guy, his name's Jesus, which I looked at, look, looked at a little We don't actually have a picture of Jesus. We have drawings. A lot of them are just funny looking, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that Jesus looked like that. Okay, I'm just being honest. He didn't have a shirt like that, for sure, where he just glowed. He didn't ever had a halo. Okay, this one doesn't have a halo. Some of them have a halo, and Jesus is looking up. He looks like he's dying of starvation and hunger. Maybe he was. Um, but when you mention the name of Jesus, they shut down because here it is. Here's the reason why I believe that they shut down is because they're not because of who he, who he is, not because of what he did. He impacted the, law, the lost people. He fed the hungry. He, he healed people. A blind man came, and he healed him. Deaf people came to him, and they could hear. How many of us who are hard of hearing would love that? Yeah. I would love that. Dead person, four days dead, alive. Like, I don't know about you, but if there's a guy that can raise the dead, I don't know. I'm going to go follow that guy, right? How many of us would follow that guy? Um, the reality is people don't, they, they actually, the thing that they can't stand about Jesus, and this is, I'm going somewhere here, <laughs> believe it or not. He actually claimed things that people can't stand. He's very exclusive, okay? How many religions, throw a number out there, because I don't really know. How many religions are there in the world? 10,000? 10 million? There's a spaghetti monster God. You don't believe me? Look it up. There is. No, I'm not following that God. Okay, so there's a lot of gods out there. And many of them say, you know what? It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, follow this God or follow that God, whatever. It's once, everything's a, life is a big mountain. You're taking your road, I'm taking my road, and ultimately we're getting to the same top. I'm going to throw that away right away 
But that's what some people teach. Jesus comes along and he says, no, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to God except by me, through me. And some people, again, this is why I'm preaching this. This is not for Christians for a moment. If you're a Christian, still pay attention because you have people that are in your life that don't buy into this Jesus thing. Jesus is a cuss word, okay? He is. Jesus is a guy who is a carpenter, and it's like that bumper sticker. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. It's Jesus. I'm like, I don't really like, I don't like that bumper sticker. It pits him as a carpenter, okay? He built things, which is cool. Like, I can't build, I can't put a bookshelf together. Let's just throw that. I don't, I can't. It's back, everything's backwards and turned around. But Jesus, he's more than that. And so Jesus is so extreme, he said, and I don't like this, can I be honest for a moment? Can I be honest? Give me permission. There's a verse in the Bible that Jesus said, I don't like. He says, if you, don't, if you love your mother and your father more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. Did you, have you read that verse? I mean, I don't like that. My mom's in heaven. I really loved her. My dad's still alive. I love him too. Okay? I really love my parents. But that's what he said. Then he said, you know what? There was a time where he healed someone on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. Jewish people were not supposed to even do anything. You can't even do good. Like, shame on you for feeding the hungry on Saturday. You should just stay home and rest, which is fine, but whatever. Jesus said, no, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The, the Sabbath doesn't own me. <laughs> I'm in control of it. I, it's about me, okay? And that's pretty extreme. People go, no, I can't stand that. Jesus said, there is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father then Jesus actually said this, my father and I are one. Everybody say one. One. God, he called him father, almighty God, father, father, son, Holy Spirit. He said, the father, everybody knows the father, Yahweh, he and I, I'm, we're one. That's scandalous. If you're a Christian, you're like, what's the big deal? No, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for Jewish people. It's a big deal for non-Christians. They're claiming that Jesus is more than a carpenter, more than a guy who was in the Middle East. He actually is God. One time, Jesus said, you know what? I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And Thomas, which we mentioned him a few weeks ago, he goes, he has a lot of questions, good questions. This is why when you doubt, like doubting Thomas, the good thing about Thomas is he, he questioned and not only did he question, he found the answer. So people were, Christians are afraid to ask questions to offend the wrong person. Like, I can't believe this person is doubting. If you're a real Christian, you just never doubt. You just believe. The reality is, if you question and you start doing research and you do all sorts of different stuff, you're going to find the truth. That's my story. That's who I am. I research God. I looked at different religions, even though I'm not religious. I'm not a professional religious person. I am a Christ follower. It's not about religion. It's not about a belief system. It is about following Christ. But I did search out different religions. And through different research and different help, I came to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is, in fact, who he said he was. These are books I've mentioned before. It would help you on your journey or someone else that doesn't believe. The case for Christ has helped me when I was really struggling. Um, there's a lot more than this, but these are two ones that aren't, they're not the hardest books to read. There's kind of an interview style, The Case for Christ. How many of us have ever read Case for Christ? 
There's a couple of us. I recommend it. Lee Strobel. Then there's the sequel, The Case for Faith. He, he wrote a lot of books, uh, The Case for This, The Case for Easter, The Case for um, Creation. Uh, and these are really helpful. There's questions that people um, have that these will help. And so I throw that your way. If someone wants to borrow these, you can borrow it after church and just take them, okay? Uh, make sure I get it back so I can help other people too because um, I would like to read it again. But that helped me when I was younger, and I came to the conclusion that this guy right here that this represents, this, this, this man who's putting his fingers up like this, I don't know why, but he's probably praying or he's peace or whatever. Um, this guy is more than just a person. He's, in fact, God, and he changed my life. I am the product of the ministry of Jesus Christ. I, this, I, I, don't, I didn't just move to Kamei because I felt like going to a town. I didn't know this existed. I didn't even know the state of Idaho existed. No, I, I did. I was from Washington State. That's a different, that's, that's way over there. I was in western Washington State. That's way out there. But, and I'm happy to be here. I love it. I've been here 20 years. And the reality is that this man, I'm a product of this man right here. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would probably be physically dead right now. Not, not, that's not, I'm not being uh, extreme there. I'm, that's probably the truth. Um, now, I've heard that I had a conversation with someone years ago who was not a Christian. He said, well, you know, some religions, they have like, like Allah or Allah. There's Buddha. There's Muhammad. Isn't it just saying the same thing, but just kind of a different God. Just, it's, it's a different road to, on the same mountain, okay? And, what, and he got, he got, this, it's kind of an idea that came somewhere else, but he mentioned to me a mountain, that life is this mountain. Like, you have to work a little bit here. Like, how many of us know life is hard, and you're, you're stepping, you're doing your steps. Sometimes you need to sit down and rest. Sometimes you fall. Sometimes you need to go back to the bottom. But ultimately, you're going one road, and death is the top of that mountain. And when you get to the top of the mountain, you find God. Okay? My God is Yahweh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This person's God might be Muhammad, this prophet. It might be Joseph Smith. Uh, it might be, uh, it could be Buddha. It could be all this kind of stuff that we worship. And, it's, and if you're on a different road, you get to the same God. Now, we're going to wrestle with that a little bit because some people doubt Jesus because of the claims that he made, okay? But some people are going to be going, you know what? What's the big deal about Jesus? How can he be the only way? You ever heard someone ask that question? How can he be the only way? Again, how many religions are there? Millions. Uncount I can't even count that high, okay? Once I go past 10, I run out of fingers, okay? But um, you, you, there's a lot of religions, and Jesus just shows up in one religion, and he says he's the right one. Now, there are people that you're going to come in contact with, I hope, that aren't going to buy into that. What do you do? What do you do if someone says, I don't buy into that. Why do you believe what you believe? Well, I start, like, getting nervous and start shaking. My leg starts getting, I start convulsing a cotton mouth. Because, like, what am I supposed to tell them? I have been on a journey for over almost 30 years of my life to try to get to a place, and I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm still working, but it's like I want to be able to get to a place. I'm telling someone, this is why I believe that Jesus is the truth. I don't just buy into this thing just because my parents made me go to church, which they did. 
They threw me into the Astro van and made, that's a Chevy. They threw me in the Astro van, me and my brother and my sister, and made us drive to another town in Sumner, Washington to go to Sumner Assembly of God. And here I am 30 years later, almost. I don't just believe in Jesus because that's the religion of the United States of America. Like, I've been a student of Jesus and a disciple of Christ for almost 30 years, and I've come to the conclusion that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to God except through him. There's many reasons why I believe that, and we'll talk about a few of them today. Now, what I'm going to do is I want to do a very brief study of some different religions. That I'm going to prove that all religions can't go to the same mountain on the, to the same God. Okay? The first one... Um, is Buddhism. Anybody heard about Buddhism? Yeah. Now, Buddhists, the way that they're different, they, did, they would say there's no God, surprisingly. There's no God. In fact, there's no afterlife. There's no heaven, there's no hell, there's nothing. Okay? What happens is when you, if you're a Buddhist, your only hope is that you lived good enough here that when you die, you take your last breath, you're in the hospital somewhere, and you take your last breath, that that moment, at some point, you open your eyes again, and you're reborn somewhere else. Hopefully, you're, you, you were good in this life, so you can live a good life. Like, for me, my next life, I don't believe in, I don't believe in it, I'm just joking, but I wouldn't want to work for Pepsi again. I'd work for Coke, but anyway... Um, they, that's how they, they don't believe in a God. There's this, there's, your existence is a cycle. It's like Groundhog Day, that movie. Okay, have you ever seen Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day just happened Friday, and Groundhog Day, the movie, is like he, Bill Murray uh, relives the same day over and over and over. It really is a study of real life, trust me. Um, if you're day in, day out, it's the same. But that's basically what their religion says. The second one is, and again, if you're on the same mountain, it's all the same truth. No, it's not the same truth. Okay? The second one is Hinduism. In Hinduism, they believe in a God, but here's the difference. Is that their God is very impersonal. When you go to God, it's like the, I use this example so many times, even I'm sick of it, but it's like the Wizard of Oz. You go in front of the Wizard, you go in front of the Oz the Great, and there's a little guy over here that you don't see yet, and they're, they're all shaking, and the cowardly lion passes out, and the tin man's like, it's going like that. That's how you react to God. He's very impersonal. He's very scary. You don't, he doesn't love you. You, you, you. In fact, you can't even go to him. You have to go to a smaller deity. And if you're not good enough for the smaller deities, you go to a statue and you bow down to the statue and you sacrifice things at the statue and you bring presents to the statue. That's how you go to their heaven. If you're good enough, how many of us would feel like we're good enough right now to go to heaven? If you were to die today, you're perfect. How many of us are perfect? Any perfect people here? How many of us have messed up a few times in your life? Well, this is not me saying this. The Bible says that sin causes us to be separated from God forever. And so that's where that's, this says, you have no hope unless you're good enough. A little bit different than Christianity, actually a lot. Muslims, there's a lot of Muslims that, because they believe in Jesus. Jesus is a prophet. In fact, they believe that Allah is God. In fact, God, Allah, is a personal God. So it's very much similar 
to Christianity in a sense. You go to a very personal God. You go to God. You don't have to go to Oz. You go to him, God, and go, I, and he goes, I love you. The difference is the way that you actually accomplish the way that you get there is through your devotion. How sincere are you really? How many bad days have you had? How many of us have had some bad days? You had any bad attitudes? You had bad attitudes going to church today? I don't want to go to church. And that's the pastor. No, I'm just kidding. I love going to church. This is the day of the week. I, love, I, I don't like Mondays, but I love Sundays. After church, I always think about Monday. How many of us think about Monday? If you guys are retired, then you don't even think about that. But God bless you. But Allah, if you worship him, there's no grace. There's, it's all about your sincerity. It's about your good works. I'm sorry, but for me, I'd be stuck in a creek without a paddle. I'd be going like this with my, with my, uh, in my boat, and I'm going, I don't have any paddle. Where am I, how am I supposed to get up this river? You can't, you, you can't, I couldn't do it. I'd be stuck. I might as well be done and go home, go to bed, or play video games or something right now, because I'd be doing something better than wasting my time here. If that's the way to go, that's not the way to, that's not what Jesus claimed. Then you get to my personal favorite, this guy here, Jesus, I wanted to show that one because the picture of that depicts the love of Christ. Because it might be shocking, but Jesus didn't have to do that. He could have, God could have said, you know what? No, I love my people, but you know what? This is too much effort. I'm just not going to do it. God chose to send his son, and Jesus chose to go through with it. He died so that you be made right with God, and you didn't accomplish anything. This is, I mean, listen, my 17-year-old self wants to pipe in for just a moment. That's too good to be true. You only believe it because it sounds good. You only believe it because it's the lazy man's religion. Okay, at 17, maybe yes. Okay, like, really. Then I had to kind of go in detail about what that meant to receive Christ and how I'm going to live my life the rest of my life. At 17, I became a Christian at 16. At 17, I said, I want to serve God for the rest of my life, my dying breath, whatever that means. And when I filled in the blanks a little bit, it was, I want to be a pastor. I want to preach. I just had to learn how to public speak without messing my words up. And I had to go beyond my D in speech class, okay? And Christianity is a whole other ball game, which I love. So what I want to do is I want you to, if you're, listen, if you're here and you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, I want you to hold on for just a minute and just smile and just, just go. But if you're not a Christian, if you're here or you're watching online, and first of all, thank you for being here and not being a Christian. I appreciate it. I do. Okay? I came to church the very first time, and I didn't buy into the whole thing. I thought it was made up. Okay? I was only there because my mom and dad made me. I didn't want to go there. We fought. Me and my brother fighting, so maybe that my dad would turn the van around. Because that worked for other things. Right? It did. I'm turning this van around right now, Joel and Jason and Ashley. And, and, and we would do it. But they would turn around. But church, no, you're going there. We'd fight. And they said, yeah, that's it. We're staying at church longer. And uh, I want you, if you're not a Christian and you don't buy in this thing, I want you to do one thing today. Do something that I did years ago, back in the mid-90s. Just consider Jesus. Think about him for a little bit. I want you to do some, re I want you to become a student of the man named Jesus. 
This is what this guy did, Lee Strobel. His story is amazing. That's why I read it for the very first time years ago, I mean decades ago. Because he, was, he came as an atheist to disprove God, and he ended up believing in God because of his research. Okay? If you're here and you go, all I need is faith, that's good. Faith is obviously great. It's great, 100% great. Some people need to do some research in order to find the truth, and he found the truth. I should say the truth found him, the truth being Jesus. That's why I would recommend his story. You can go from being an atheist to becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ because when you seek God, you will find God. That's my story. That's his story. That's a many people's story, right? Amen? I want you to consider three things about Jesus. First of all, and this is my favorite, I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. Again, I've said this earlier. I am the product of Jesus' ministry. The fact that Jesus served, the fact that Jesus loved, the fact that Jesus healed, the fact that when I see Jesus heal people, when I was in college, I saw, a, I saw someone that died, raised from the dead. I'm not making it up. I was in college. And I thought, well, sure, like my headache hurt. My headache hurts. Oh, I'm healed. Yeah, fine. But I, wanted, I saw it happen. I can't deny it. Okay? It was scary, actually. But I want you, if you're not a Christian, I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. I want you to look at the way that he loved people that were unlovable. If you've ever been to church, your story might be this. I went to church one time and the Christians were unloved. They were unloving. They hated me. They treated me horribly. You don't have to raise your hand, but raise your heart if that's your story. You came to church and you, you came broken and you weren't good enough for them. Like if you're a real Christian, you shouldn't be broken. You should be better. That's baloney. Jesus loves broken people. How do I know that? I've read the Bible. That's not a proud thing. I'm just saying, I've read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He loved the broken. He loved the people that the religious people said, no, I don't love them. I hate them. Ugh. They put their nose up and went, you smell dirty. Like, you smell like sin. Get out of my presence. That's the thing. Jesus, he said, no, I love that person. For God so loved the for God so loved the world is not just saying he loved the globe. No, he loved the people on the outside, the people who were outside the faith, who were the enemies of God. He loved them. I love that. I love that about Jesus. I want you to consider how people responded to Jesus, the lost, the broken. What I want to do is I want to quickly contrast the religious people today. I'm going to call them the church, even though they didn't go by the church, but they were church people versus Jesus. Okay? Religious people, when they looked at people with loose morals, they said, I can't, yuck. You, st you stink like sin. You're going to hell. The fact is, people who are lost and dying and they are separated from God, do I believe in hell? Absolutely. Jesus taught it. Even though it's not popular to say that in church even. Okay, there's a hell. You don't receive Christ, you're damned to go to hell. No amens there, that's fine. I wouldn't even say amen either, but it's the fact. But these religious people have said, nope, I'm not even going in there and trying to love these people and telling them about the truth. I'm staying away from them. Jesus said, nope, I'm going to eat dinner with them. In fact, in Mark chapter 2, because I want you to consider Jesus' ministry, the way that he loved, 
the way that he served, the way that he changed lives. Mark chapter 2, verse 16. We've read this before. In fact, last year we went through the entire book of Mark. It's on YouTube. And I love that book. But verse 16. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees, they saw Jesus eating. Say, everybody say eating. <gasps> they went to they went to Palenque's Mexican restaurant with someone that's not a church person. How dare them? And the other, they went, they were eating with, he was eating with tax collectors and other sinners. They asked his disciples. Who'd they ask? Why didn't they go to Jesus? Because they're scared. Religious people are scared. They don't want to confront. They just want to talk behind their back. Okay? It happens today. He said to his disciples, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Some transla- most translations say with tax collectors and other sinners, disreputable sinners. This translation, which I prefer this because I love how raw it is. Why does your, what is your, what is your, why does he actually eat with such horrible people, stenchy people, people that are going to hell? Why is that? That's a, that is a legit question because it shows their heart. It shows the heart of religion. The religion says, I'm on the inside. They're on the outside. If they want to go on the outside, they better hurry up and do it. I'm not going to help them through it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pray with them. I'm not going to influence them. I'm not going to love them. They just need to go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Get into the church. Hurry up. Jesus goes, no, no, no. In fact, what do you say? Because Jesus hears everything. He hears your attitude. He hears your What's going on right here? Which kind of scares me a little bit. When Jesus heard this, he told them, and I love this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I like to say, clean people don't need a shower. Filthy people do. If you're dirty, please take a shower. If you are taking a shower today, you don't need another one right now. Okay? There's no reason to clean up yourself, then go in the shower. Right? Give me a sponge bath, then I'm going to go in the shower. No. That's ridiculous. You go into the shower filthy. Like you're working on stuff and you're full of mud and dog doo-doo and cow manure and all that kind of stuff. And you come into my house and you stink up the house. I'm going to point to my bathroom and say, please take a shower. Actually, go, go in your shower. I don't want you to go in my shower. But that's, Jesus goes, I have not come. He goes, I have not come to call those who think they're righteous, like these religious people, but those who know that they're sinners. I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. He ate with sinners. If you're a Jewish person, you do not eat with people of that kind of reputation. You do not eat with tax collectors. It's tax season. It really is. From January to April, that's all I'm thinking about, taxes. Anybody else think about taxes? No, but thank you for reminding me. You do not eat with tax collectors and Jesus said, yes, because when you eat with, with someone, it's not just a quick bite. It is a, it's saying, I am trying to influence and love the person right in front of me right here. That's what a meal meant. And Jesus changed their lives. Who is he hanging out with? Tax collectors and people with a bad reputation. Like, I wonder if, I wonder if that happens in the church today. Like, do Christians hang out with that kind of, do, they, do we have that kind of reputation? Or do we hang out with good people? Man. Jesus was a healer. He, he cleansed the man with leprosy. I can get into that because it's my personal favorite. 
thing he did? Because he embraced him, touched him. <sighs> See, I've said this this way a few times already because I really believe it. I am the product of Jesus' ministry. People in this room, you are the product of Jesus' ministry, the way he served you, the way he healed you. Maybe not physically, but he healed you of your bitterness. You know what biggest thing I was healed in my life? Bitterness. I've said that so many times. People have been here a long time. You're like, I know. I can tell your story, Joel. Yeah, good. Tell the story. here. No, but the reality is the biggest healing I got in my life was bitterness. People have hurt me when I was a kid. So I can't go to people in good conscience and say, you know what, I don't believe that Jesus exists because I'm a product of bitterness being washed away. That doesn't happen. Bitter people that don't allow Jesus to change it, they let it fester and get it worse. And I had a pastor that he was bold enough to tell me, you need to give that to Jesus because he knew I was hurting. See, Jesus, I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. He, he still heals. He still changes lives. He still provides. There are times in my marriage that we were broke financially. We always had a home to live in. I know that's not the story of everybody. I get it. I never had to live under the bridge or in my car. God was always there. Always. The second one is really important to me. It's to consider the resurrection of Jesus. If you doubt the resurrection of Jesus, you, you, need, to, the first, you need to research a little bit about the reality of it and about the histor historical aspect of the resurrection. Okay? There's a specific reason why I believe the resurrection to be true, and I'll give it to you just in a moment. There is a very specific reason why I say, no, there's no way on earth that the resurrection didn't happen. I believe it happened in history, okay? Um, what do we know about the Christian God? What do we know about him? Well, we know the God of the Bible, Yahweh, the Jewish God. We know, he, we know two things about God. Number one, he loves creation. He loves his people. He loves his people, period. You could, that's New Testament God. No, 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 no. Because the people wrestle with that. It's a different God in the Old Testament. No. I've gone through that so many times in my walk with God, and I've come to the conclusion, same God, okay? He loves his people. But number two, it's just as important as it, that he hates sin. Sin separates us from God. When you have a bad attitude, when you, when you go up to someone, you cuss them out, and, and they, they, they hurt you, and you hurt them back. When you went to, had a fight with someone, or you, you, uh, you, you were, you're married and you cheated on your, your spouse with someone else, it's a sin. It's a sin. I'm a sinner, okay? You don't have to learn how to do wrong. How many of us had to learn how to read a book about how to do wrong? No, I had to, I had to learn how to be a better father by reading, a better husband by reading, do all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, I don't have to read about how to become a poor father and a poor husband. I don't have to read it. It just comes natural. How lucky am I? But the reality is it's all of us because of that sinful nature. Now we're in trouble if something doesn't change. If God didn't come to this planet through Jesus Christ and die for me, then I'm, lo I'm lost in my sin. I'm drowning. I'm stuck. 
I am drowning. We know that God loves you, but we also know that he hates sin. So what do you do? When you read the gospel story, the gospel, the word gospel simply means good news. I would like to include the word great. Great news. Good news is saving money in your car insurance. I did that a few years ago. True story. True, I mean, going to the grocery store and you find Pepsi's on sale. You want to wait till this, this Wednesday in case you want to buy 12 packs a little bit cheaper. True, true story. But that's good news. Good news is that, wow, my car started. I didn't know if it was going to start today. Anybody have those kind of cars? Like you're praying every time? Yeah, that's good news. Great news is that Jesus showed up and he saved me. And so Jesus is God. God became human and he came to save me. He came to deliver me. Now, Jesus, his resurrection changed everything. In fact, it changed the Roman centurion who killed Jesus. One of my most favorite verses of the Bible is one that's, uh, that's usually skimmed over. This Roman centurion who crucified Jesus, he goes from not believing to going, surely this was the Son of God. What changed that? Because he saw the truth. He saw who Jesus was. I love that. But how do I know that Jesus was raised from the dead? Well, I could say because it's in the Bible, and I would be right about that. It is in the Bible. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are certain stories that are mentioned in every gospel. You know there's an emphasis on it. When you read the book of John, you're going to see a lot of stories that aren't in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Okay, it's not contradictory, it's complementary. Man, I sound like Lee Strobel right now. But it's the fact. It's complementary. But some people don't buy into the whole Bible thing. One of the things that I did when I was first a Christian, I was like kind of struggling with it, is I wanted to know if the resurrection was mentioned outside of the Bible or if it's just the Bible. And lo and behold, I found it was. There's a, and I mentioned him in the past, if you've been here, there is a historian in the past named Josephus. If you've been a Christian for a while, you probably heard that name. If not, there you go, Josephus, look him up. It's, it, he, was, he didn't have any benefit to write down things. He didn't earn things. He may, maybe earned money, but he didn't, he didn't try to twist the words of his books or his literature to favor one or the other. He just wrote, wrote it. And one thing he said among many, Josephus' writings are great. But one thing he said is that there is a group of people who claim that, they, that Jesus was dead and buried, and then three days later, they're running around yelling that he's alive. Josephus has no, he doesn't buy into it. He's just recording what people did and said. Okay, so you have, you have people, you have specifically 12 people in the early church Judas Iscariot went and hung himself. Then they replaced him with Matthias. Remember that? So there's 12 apostles. There's 12 disciples. There's 12 guys in charge of the early church. And they're focused on one thing, and it's like a one-point message. Jesus was dead. Now he's alive. I saw him with my own beady little eyes. I saw him while he was just a ghost. Nobody claims that anymore, by the way. Atheists don't claim that. They claim that these guys who had no reason to lie, they benefited nothing by making up the story. In fact, 
I would like to tell you right now what I really believe about the apostles. In fact, by claiming they saw Jesus alive, they actually benefited physically zero. They didn't gain anything by becoming a Christ follower. They gained nothing. They died. For some of them, it happened right away. For some of them, it happened two years later. For some of them, it happened 30 years. For John, it was like 30 years later, 60 years later. He was old. But it benefited them nothing by claiming that they saw a man die and raise from the dead. So this might not help. I hope it does for some of us. But why do I believe in the resurrection? Because there was ordinary people had no benefit to lie and make up a religion. Because that's the choice. Either they're telling the truth or they're making up a religion. They didn't do it for power. They didn't do it for fame. Maybe they, that could be a possibility, but they all died really quick. So my question to you is, and this just try to think a little bit for the rest of your lives. Were the disciples, the apostles, the 12 apostles, they go to their graves peddling a lie and benefit nothing? Were they, were they just making up a story because they were bored? Or were they telling the truth about Jesus and he raised from the dead? Listen, if someone's going to die for something that's a lie, and if I, that's me, right before I'm dead, and they have the sword right by me, and they say, if you deny him right now, are you going to die? I'd be like, okay, I made it up. I, the body's over here. We, 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 we hit it. We buried his body. We, we knocked out the guard. We, we carried Jesus' body. We, we, he was, he, he, we, we hit him. That's not what they did. Peter, for example, went to the cross upside down. Wanted to be crucified, but he didn't want to be crucified exactly like Jesus. He wanted to leave that with Jesus. What would make Peter do that? Because it was the truth. In fact, Peter said this in Acts 3.15. You, religious people, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. See, even when Jesus was in the tomb and he raised from the dead, the guard had to make up some story that his disciples took the body. They made that story up because they don't want to get killed for being lazy. Like, oh, you just fell asleep on the patrol. They didn't deny that he was gone. <laughs> like, come on. So as I'm wrestling with God at, from time to time, I am reminded that there are ordinary individuals who were changed so much by this man and the ministry of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, that when they saw Jesus, they were no longer the same ever again. And they were filled with the Spirit, but that's beside the point. Number three and final, I want you to consider the message of Jesus. The question as we begin at this is, am I too bad for God? Am I too sinful for God? Well, you got to look at the message of Jesus. See, the message of Jesus, we're going to say at the very end, and I'm almost done, I promise. Revelation 21.4. Not that one, that's it. Revelation 21.4. Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying, no more pain. 
all these things will be gone how long? Forever. You don't have to be a Christian right now to know that this world is messed up. Okay? The way that we're going in this world, messed up. God's over here. They're walking this way. Maybe they're even running that way. So this is a great hope. This is a hope because there are there is people in, the, in this room right there. are people in this room right now and watching online right now that you are in pain right now. You are mourning a loss. You actually have experienced death in your life. And there's crying and there's pain. And Jesus says, here's my hope. All these things will be gone forever. And every other religion in the world says that could be yours if you're good enough. Jesus came around. He says, come to me, brokenhearted. Come to me, sinner. Come to me, you person that no one looks at. Come to me, you horrific, imperfect person, if that's how you feel. Jesus doesn't call you that. But you might feel like you're an imperfect, horrific, horrible person. He, he goes, I will set you free, and I will give you eternal life. I have a place for you that one day there will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be nothing like that. There will be only joy, peace. All that kind of stuff will be forever. Last time I checked, forever is a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm only 40, almost 43, and I feel like sometimes some, some years are long. Recently, these years have gone fast. I mean, it's already almost December right? Just kidding. It's already February. But the question I'm going to close with this, am I too bad for God? Am I too sinful for God? No. Why is that? Because God specializes in reaching out to broken people. I have been broken in my life. My heart has been broken. I've heard things and seen things and done things I should not have done in my past. And God took that 16-year-old, and he changed me. And I still, I'm like, okay, Lord, are you ever going to give up on me? Because when you give up on me, I'm going to be done. That's what I told him at the beginning. And he still hasn't let me go. He still got his hold, hold on me. He says, no, I love you too much. And he's like, come on, let's go. And, and uh, that's the promise right there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you love sinners and I realize that sin separates us from you, and you can't stand the sin. You're holy. You're righteous, and we're not. But, Lord, through Jesus Christ, all we have to do is say yes to Jesus. Lord, I, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my past. I give you my present and my future, Lord. I put it in your hands. And, Lord, I want to serve you with everything for the rest of my life and make this world a place that honors God. I want to help the people around me follow Christ. That is the goal that I have until the, my dying breath. We thank you. I thank you for the church. I thank you for everyone in this room. I praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Again, if you need to borrow a book, and just they're up here. That's why I have them.
and that too. I have the DVD. 